The Men's Room, a talk sport podcast in partnership with Toolstation. From masculinity to mental health, friendship to fatherhood, join Tom Skinner and Neil Razor Ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man. Listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal. The Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store or via the app. Yeah, hold that please, level 5, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi, now the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what, sorry? The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and uh, for this test match alongside Jared Kimber, uh, Steve Harmson off on uh, Sir Bobby Robson uh, golf duty for the weekend. Uh, so we've let him get head off uh, and get a bit of sun and hopefully improve his, uh, his handicap. And uh, myself and Jared will be looking back at all the action from Headingley and the third test match of the summer between England and New Zealand. So, if you're listening to the show by now, you uh, no doubt know that 225 for 5 is how New Zealand ended up but winning the toss and choosing to bat again. That's the third time that they've batted, although, of course, they did lose a toss uh, in the second test match. And we all know how that ended up. So, uh, off they uh, set and uh, Tom Nathan was back within the first over. Caught at first slip from the bowling of Stuart Broad and England's bowlers where well, they kept on top of New Zealand for much of the day until two familiar-sounding and looking foes uh, came together to thwart them late in the day. Will Young was the second to go after once again looking good. LBW to Jack Leach, the first ball of Leach's spell. Uh, and then it was uh, Kane Williamson, the next to depart, uh, caught behind. Beautiful bit of bowling from Stuart Broad couple of in-swingers followed by one that just held its line and uh, Williamson was gone for 31. When Devon Conway became Jamie Overton's uh, first uh, wicket in test at cricket, uh, then uh, England were absolutely on top, 83 for four at that stage, uh, before Henry Nichols and Daryl Mitchell button buckled down uh, to try and uh, see New Zealand through. Nichols uh, departed in uh, quite extraordinary fashion. you hear about that throughout the show. A beautiful cover drive which would have whistled to the boundary uh, if not for the bat of Daryl Mitchell. At the non-striker's end, the ball ballooning up to uh, mid-off where Alex Lees couldn't believe his luck. Jack Leach couldn't work out what had happened. Had to be uh, explained exactly how he had now two wickets uh, in the column and England uh, were 123 for five or rather New Zealand were. And then up stepped Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell again. Uh, another Century partnership, uh, unbeaten at the close. Mitchell 78, Blundell 45, although Mitchell, if Matthew Potts had overturned or reviewed a DRS LBW, uh, would have been gone for eight. So uh, a bit of luck going New Zealand's way, a lot of luck going England's. Uh, plenty to look back on 
Day one at Headingley, the third test between England and New Zealand. Story of the day. So, Jared, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I always am. You know, like when you have two test series and it's just that feeling of this isn't a series. You need three tests, possibly more. Um, and then more often than not, you have a two test series and it's two nil. And you're like, actually, it's fine. I don't have to live with another test. And I kind of felt with this series, to be honest with you, the Headingley test is just a bit like, I'm struggling to see the point of it now. Um, I don't know. Do you share that feeling? Or were you just as excited about England against New Zealand, third test at Headingley, as you were England against New Zealand, first test at Lords, or England versus New Zealand, second test at Trebridge? No, well, first test beforehand, I thought we had a chance of an away team winning, which is always fun in test cricket. At the end of that test, I thought, well, England have won the first one, but clearly New Zealand are the better team. So this is maybe the best way of going. Through the second test, I thought, well, there's no way England can chase this again. Um, so that'd be great. But once it's 2 0, you know, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, Davis, no one really follows the Davis Cup once the tie is finished and, you know, why the American sports don't play the, the other rubbers, right? And we play them because we're cricket. Um, uh, look, I enjoyed the cricket today. It, it was a grind, a uh, different kind of maybe day than, oh, especially last test where everyone was scoring 500 runs in a day, it seemed like. Um, uh, but yeah, there, there is a part of it. It's just like, I just feel like as what, watching Henry Nichols go out in that way, there was a certain point where it's like, they should probably just go home. <laughs> they have, you know, I was working with Jeremy Coney, as were you. And I'm sure that he mentioned on SEN, or I'm still not sure if it's SENZ or SENZ. But it's SENZ, but I keep saying SENNZ, which apparently is even <laughs> more wrong. There's no extra N and I've just put it in. Well, I've heard people who work for SENNZ, SENZ, Refer to it as sends. How's like, how's it sends when it's sen in Australia? It doesn't suddenly like morph the last. Anyway, um, and look, he he was saying, look, New Zealand are a conservative side, and they showed that. I mean, I thought that today they showed a conservatism two 0 down with, you know, this last one to play. You know, it was a chance to rest Southie. It was a chance to give Henry two games in a row, which he very yeah. rarely gets, and when he does get, he makes the most of it. Um, Bracewell at eight, you know, they've gone in essentially with three fast bowlers and a part-time off spinner, and they've got to take 20 wickets. I just thought, I just thought it was a little bit negative, to be honest with you. Um, and, uh, and, and I still kind of feel that way, you know, mm. are New Zealand really going to bowl England out twice? Yeah. I kind of feel like they've made this huge bet on Will Young being their opening batter. And the obvious thing to do today, if you want a Bracewell to play again, and obviously they like Bracewell is, that Will Young leaves the side, Devon Conway opens the batting. But I'm worried, I, I wonder if they're just thinking to themselves, are we going to create bigger problems for ourselves going forward if Conway makes 100 opening the batting or whatever the situation is? But it's funny, I, I spent a lot of time looking at New Zealand today and thinking about the entire lineup. I think Latham's fine if you take him out. Will Young, I really don't think is going to make a lot of runs opening the batting in test cricket consistently. I could be wrong. I just don't see him as an opening batter, which he's not been traditionally. Kane Williamson clearly is not the Kane Williamson that he once was, whether this elbow means that's the end. 
Henry Nichols, I still think there's question marks over Henry Nichols. I think he's a fine player. I still think there's question marks over whether he can be a consistent player, especially if he has to bat at number four, which he might end up having to do. Um, outside of, you know, Mitchell and Blundell, who, you know, look like they you know bat in any position you give them at the moment, that batting lineup's a problem. Bracewell, look, in when no one's attacking him, he'll be on a spinning pitch, he'll be fine. <laughs> Anywhere else, he's going to go. Uh, do they think Wagner is finished? Do they really trust Henry? There's a lot of questions. Bolt and Saudi are very, you know, uh, well, in Saudi's case, he's been playing since he was about three, right? So, you know, there's a lot of wear and tear on that body. It wasn't that long ago this team looked really good. There's still a lot of talent around. And I'm not, I don't, you know, obviously Jameson can come back into all that. But there's a part of it is at the right at the moment going, it's not so much that I think they're conservative, although what Jeremy Coney said is true. I just think there's probably more questions than they've had. I can't remember the last time I looked at a New Zealand team and thought there were this many questions that were unanswered. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Um, I was surprised that they didn't didn't go with Rashin Ravindra, who we commentated on for the India series. Even just have him in the squad, he is essentially an opener. Yeah, I also well. don't understand if why we would not have him in the squad but have Bracewell in. I, I like Bracewell and I, and I get it. But it's like, but you have a guy who's a better bowler than him already and is and is probably a better top-order batsman over the whole of his career. I know Bracewell's had some periods where he's been really good. It seems weird to be like, now Bracewell's our guy now. You just said Ratchet Ravindra was your guy. Like, you know, yeah. pick a side. And what's he in and what's he in the side for as well? Is he in the side for to bat or to bowl? Because if he's kind of like neither one nor the other, they've kind of been down this path with Mitchell Santner and with um Mark Craig, do you remember him? <laughs> I do remember Mark Craig. Do you Craig. know what I mean? These kind of very steady eddy guys that can bat pretty much as well as they can bowl off spin or slow left arm. I, um, I reckon Bracewell is one of those people, you watch him bowl and you think, if he started bowling at 22, a bit like Moe Alley, right? But by now, he'd be a really, really good cricketer. But he's 31 and he only just started bowling. So you're literally saying, oh, you just worked out this spin thing. Do you mind just being our number one spinner? Like yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't, it doesn't follow. And also you look at this lineup for this particular game, Mitchell might bowl, right? But they've gone out of their way not to bowl Mitchell all the way through this series so far. Um, I don't know. I, there, Mitchell, there's a lot of weirdness. Mitchell came into the side as a bowler, as a bowler batsman as well. That's, that was a crazy I, thing. And it was only two years ago. <laughs> Mitchell, Mitchell come, Mitchell could do every job. Let's be honest. He'll be wicket keeping and be their leg spinner by the end of the week. At the same time. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the other thing with Latham as well, you know, there was, I, I totally agree. He's, he's, I mean, he may actually be captain as well if Williamson decides he can't do it. The other depressing thing with it is as well, like you talk about all these questions. Well, they're not playing test cricket again now until December. And then they're going to play two tests at home to Sri Lanka and then two tests when England come back. And then that's probably it again for, so it's kind of like, well, oh, it's, it's a little bit frustrating, really. But I just think, you know, they've, I know exactly what you mean. When Nichols essentially hit the ball back and hit uh, Mitchell's bat and went to Lee's, we'll talk about that a bit later. But you just think that first test, sliding doors moment, that no ball, it looked like a sliding doors moment mm. anyway. But the longer this series goes on, it just becomes a bigger and bigger moment. You know, Colin de Granholm getting Ben Stokes out with what would have been the worst shot of the series. 
And England aren't winning that match from, from there. No. And of course, they did win the match. And the Grand Home then limps off injured shortly after. And they've never recovered, you know. They had Henry Nichols out for, through COVID for the first test. That mucked around their batting order. I mean, it did work for them because it brought Mitchell in. Yeah. Then Williamson misses the second one. They but they made mistakes it. with their bowling attack as well. Like, yeah, exactly. They, they got their bowling attack wrong at Lords, and because they got it wrong at Lords, they got the right bowling attack for Lords, but at Nottingham. Yeah, right? which happened. Which you know, and I still can't believe that a man like I know that he's not the answer. It's not like if Ajaz Patel plays New Zealand <laughs> win the Test series three nil, but it's still it's still crazy you could come into a test match with three fast bowlers and a part-time off spinner when you've got a bloke who's taken 10 wickets in an innings five tests ago or something stupid so um and it's just really frustrating because it's not like they're heading off to the west indies where they can maybe bring in back in ravindra or push conway up who i think looks pretty quality to be honest Apart from that inside edge problem. Well, um, yeah. See, this is the thing. I I think I missed him out on my list before. But again, I really like Conway. And I I do believe he can bat. But I also think people have now worked out that he doesn't get outside edges. He gets inside edges. And is that a thing he can overcome? Because he's not young, Well, we're not going to know, are we? We're not going to know because... I'll tell you in December, John. (laughs) So, yeah, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, and of course, they were unlucky with Jameson as well, injured. Uh, yeah. It's it's all gone really horribly wrong. And it almost feels like instead of just thinking, you know, sod it, let's just go all in, let's go all out here for a win. Let's just go for it. They've just gone safety first again. I mean, Southie was just treated. I mean, he may come back and take a fifer. He may, he may well do that, right? And I hope he does because I like him as a bowler. I was there in 2008 in his debut and I've always liked him. You know, I've always kept an eye out for him ever since then. But come on, just just give him a break. He looked shot in that mm. last test match. His match figure, if any other bowler gets pummeled like that, I'm sorry, you're out the team the next game. And, um, you know, he's, he's playing again. It's hard. Uh, oh, I found it quite strange. In terms of England, though, well, it just feels like they're in that, pure honeymoon period aren't they you know apart from the lbw decision which they didn't refer probably because they just wasted one to mitchell when he was on eight and let's not forget as well mitchell has been he has had some some luck because he was dropped by root in that first test he should have been out for eight today but essentially it's everything jack leach taking a wicket in the first over the henry nichols dismissal um it's just it just we've been here before with new captains and new new regimes, everyone, you saw it like with about 88 overs to go, all the fielders are, you know, clapping and shouting and cheering on Matt Potts. And you just think, this is brilliant to see. Don't get me wrong. They are all buying into it. And you can see this is a team that can see they, they want to be in this side. Whereas under Joe Root, felt so sorry for him because they all seem to want to get out the side. Now they're all coming out of retirement just to get back in because they want to taste a little bit of the Ben Stokes, Brendan McCullum era mm. um how long does that last though like that's it Rabada that, and Nokia like so we thought South Africa would uh, sorry we thought New Zealand would rip through them and New Zealand's had a shocker you know we, we could talk about all the stuff ups that um New Zealand have had and that's fine and normal 
But there's every chance that, and South Africa aren't a better team than New Zealand. But South Africa, you know, whichever fast bowlers they find, have a chance of absolutely destroying England in a couple of test matches. Does that just finish if, you know, Rabada takes eight for in the first match and Nokia takes seven in the second? Look, I, was, I wasn't quite buying into this New Zealander uh, quite as strong as, they, as everybody else seemed to be. They just lost at home to Bangladesh. Mm, true. They just lost at home to South Africa. You know, they were fortunate to just lose 1-0 against India. But, you know, that's, that's by the by, really. Everyone, everybody will lose in India. You know, I know Taylor wasn't the force that he was, has been, but he has gone. Williamson's got his elbow problem. They'd, and, and Latham's record against top teams overseas, I, I mean, you'll know, I'm not sure it's quite, it quite stands up to scrutiny. So I was a bit, I thought their bowling would be better. Um, I didn't think Mitchell would, would, would be anywhere near as, as good as he has been. And, and Blundell as well, because we saw Blundell in India and his approach was so timid. And to be honest with you, he kind of carried that into the New Zealand summer. So I didn't see those two performing as well as I did. But I but but the thing with the McCullum Stokes effect was it had to work. If it didn't work in this New Zealand series, considering you've got Pakistan away to come, New Zealand away, then the Ashes next year. There's no time. Mm. No time at all. So it had to work. I thought New Zealand were on a downer a bit. I thought if the luck goes England's way, you're gonna get a bounce bounce back they're going to be a bit better than what we've seen it couldn't be any worse they may win this series 3-0 I certainly didn't see that that happening when it comes to South Africa I'm still again yeah their bowlers are are, are very very good um and they will bowl England out I think they're they're more likely to win a test but is their batting really that brilliant no so you know, in English conditions, England on a high. I think England could beat India. India are basically coming in for one test and they're going to bugger off again. Yeah, you know, I think England have a good chance of that one, even though I think India is probably the best test team in the world, just because yeah, India I can't imagine the, India are ready India, for this in any India way. India are, are the best test team in the world. But, you know, England win that toss. The, it win the toss and the conditions favour them. India just be like, just get, let's just get this done because we don't, we didn't want to be here last year. We don't want to be here this year. So they could go into that South Africa series with with two test series, test series wins under the belt. They didn't have any last year. Um, and um, and yeah, I think it could well continue into that South Africa series. So um, it's it's after that it gets a little bit more difficult, I would suggest. And yeah, yeah. I totally agree. The the I've I described it as, uh, you know, Kevin Keegan is. It's, uh, it's something to do with football. Yeah, so basically, he's the kind of manager that would go into a dressing room and he's that kind of uh, coach that just makes players believe. Hmm. You know, he just pumps their tyres up, he turns, takes the pressure out of the situation, makes it enjoyable and sends them out. The difference with football is that you could, or club uh, sports, you could buy new players, essentially. Can't you? you can't do that in international cricket. But the problem with, with the Keegan thing is it does only last yeah. so long. Look, I mean, I, you know, I remember, you know, working for St. Lucia, we, I think we lost our first three or four games and I wrote a speech for our coach, Brad Hodge, that was basically everything's gone wrong that could possibly have gone wrong for us. And I remember, you, and I, I didn't really know how it would go, but I thought there's no point doing analysis because we, you know, <laughs> literally our uniforms weren't fitting. Like what analysis could we do at this point? 
And I wrote it and then I heard him give it and he was brilliant in, in giving the speech as well. And when he gave the speech, he, um, you could feel the room rise, right? And I was like, oh, great. We'll do this all the time. And I talked to him afterwards. He goes, no, that's your one. You get one. And if you win that game, you might win the next game because everyone's feeling really good. But eventually the quality of the play, the decisions you make, how you put the team together, all those things matter more than, than getting people up. But you can get professional athletes up. You've got to remember, they're not always up. Sometimes they're worried about their mortgage, you know, uh, you know their wives, their boyfriends, whatever. Um, sometimes just one moment will bring them together. And I think that McCullum and Stokes as a double act, it makes a lot of sense. But as bad as England were, and I like to make fun of them more than most, they weren't a one in 16 team or one in 17, whatever they were, right? There was always going to be a bounce back. Yeah. They didn't even take their two best bowlers to the West Indies, right? Two best bowlers available, didn't take them to the West Indies. They, were all, they, they got better almost straight away. Yeah, and that was always going to be the case, wasn't it? So, yeah. Um, and, and also, I said this at the time as well. You know, one of the reasons I thought that Strauss might have, you know, just said... Lee, just sit this one out, Anderson abroad, was he knew that it would give the new coach and the captain, well, not that we knew there'd be a new captain, but it looked pretty likely. <laughs> it would give them a choice. If it all went brilliantly at the West Indies, two or three new bowlers came in, the coach, the captain is rejuvenated, England win the series, great. If it all goes tits up, bring back the cavalry. Yeah. And maybe I gave him too much credit. Maybe that isn't true. But I did say that at the time. And I think that that's kind of how it's panned out. I don't think Strauss expected Brendan McCullum to be the, the, the man, uh, the coach, but. I don't think yeah. Brendan McCullum expected it. <laughs> well, he didn't even know about it, did he? Until <laughs> Rob Key called him. Um, but that brings us quite nicely onto another thing that I was thinking about today. And that was whilst I was watching Jamie Overton and Matthew Potts bowl and Jack Leach to, to an extent. Look, Anderson missed this test match. Um, we don't know how long Broad's got. So I know that we've talked about it a lot, but, you know, these are good. this is going to be the bowling attack, you know, in not, not too long. Mm. It's going to be, you know, you might get Wood back. I don't know if we'll ever see Joffrey Archer play Test cricket again. I hope we do, but I have a feeling we won't. Um, who else is going to come back who I've forgotten about? Maybe Ollie Robinson. Ollie Robinson, when he gets fit, if he yeah. has the chance to also get fit. Yeah, I mean, maybe Ollie Robinson, but, you know, who's who's going to be taking the new ball here? You know, Ollie Robinson, are we ever going to see Chris Wokes bowl again for England? Possibly, you know, he's been written off many times, but essentially this is the attack now. You know, mm. you saw a glimpse of it today and that 100-run partnership, albeit with the old ball, you know, and it was a bit weird. Jack Leach bowled 30 overs today. That was, I don't, think, anybody, I don't think anybody saw that coming, but it was just... Uh, yeah, I was just I was just quite interested by it, really. You know, Potts well, I mean, you like, look at you look at Potts and Overton; they are probably eighth and ninth, you know, most talented bowlers. Depending on maybe where you put Ollie Stone and and, and Craig and Sam Curran are a bit tricky as well. So, it, but but they're certainly not first choice. But you look at it, and last year Jamie Overton couldn't hit the cut strip, and last year no one knew who Matthew Potts was realistically, right? Um, they're both. I think at their absolute best have had lots of skills that are very handy in test matches, but I don't know what Potts's best skill is because he's not particularly fast. He's not particularly accurate and he's not particularly skillful and he's not particularly tall. 
He's kind of got a little bit of everything. Maybe that that's enough. Um, and with I Jamie think- Overton, it's like, I, I don't know. To me, he's three wide balls outside of stump from going at six runs and over and, and really struggling in a test match, um, you know, based on having seen him play before. So, it, yeah, it, it's an interest. And you look and you go through that whole list. As you said, Chris Wokes, still, we don't know if he'll ever be able to take wickets overseas. Might never get another chance. Ollie Robertson, until he's, he, he's one of the most skillful bowlers I've seen in a very long time. Until he can bowl a third spell in a day without looking like he's just done, you know, two packs of cigarettes, that, that's gonna, they're going to struggle there. I think we know that Craig Overs is probably not an international quality bowler. Sam Curran's probably great as your fifth best bowler. It, it's really interesting to see what happens next. I mean, obviously, Joffre comes back and you can, you know, put Mark Wood on one side, Nolly Robertson on the other side, and, and Ben Stokes and, uh, you know, insert spinner here, and it doesn't matter. But as you said, we don't know if Joffre Arch will come back. And even if he does come back, we don't know if he can come back. Like he might play a test and have similar issues again. The Men's Room, a talk sport podcast in partnership with Tool Station. From masculinity to mental health, friendship to fatherhood. Join Tom Skinner and Neil Razor Ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man. Listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal. The Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store, or via the app. Hold that, please. Level 5, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Moment of the day. Uh, I think most of us gave him a bit of space to start with, because um, the same thing—you sort of don't know how people are going to work. And he was working hard out there to, to get through some some tough spells and some tough periods. So t- for that to happen um, just on a break as well, it's sort of it's one of those things. We just let someone sort of go through their own sort of thoughts and, and process it the way they want to, and then afterwards um, you can chat about it. And I see that I guess see the the lighter side of of getting out that way. Oh yeah, it was unbelievable. I didn't even know if that. Was- was allowed like I've never seen anything like it well there's no doubt whatsoever what moment of the day was it was a moment so rare that as you just heard Jack Leach said he didn't know the laws as he called them rules I think he didn't know the he didn't know if it was out or not um he then went on to say later in the press conference he didn't know if it was out he didn't think it was out if um a batter hits the ball onto short leg's helmet and it pops up on, and is taken as a catch. Which is, so it's just possible Jack Leach doesn't know the laws. Well, which, but don't you think that's quite strange? He's played 25 test matches for England and he doesn't actually know the laws. You and think, he's a spinner. You think, like, that must have happened a lot. You would have thought. No. Nah, I Look, you watch Mohamed Siraj um, 
uh, appeal for LBW, you watch some of the things that players review. I, they don't always know the laws. Fair enough. Fair enough. Either way, have you ever seen a bloke cannon the ball off his strike partner's bat straight into the hands of uh, mid on? Was it? No. No, I've seen I've seen non-strikers get hit and the ball pop up and a bowler sort of be close by. Um, I've obviously seen close fielders get hit and catches come off them. That, yeah. that happens fairly regularly. Yeah. Every time I've ever seen the ball hit the bat, it's always kind of gone down because the way you hold the bat in your hand when you're running is not how you hold it normally. You hold it with a very soft hand. Yeah. Um, it usually flies out your hand, doesn't it? Yeah. Usually the bat flies out your hand or the ball hits it and sort of dies from the lack of energy, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm, what was incredible was that Daryl Mitchell managed to get the bat into a position where he middled the ball (laughs) and that it then found a fielder who was watching. It could have hit the umpire or Alex Lees in the face, right? Because, so, so uh, let's explain it. Because most people will have gone to social media by now or their friends would have WhatsApped them to them. But just for those who haven't, Jack Leach is bowling to Henry Nichols. As we know, he's bowling to a left-hander in the first innings, which means he's about to get pumped for four, right? He overpitches slightly. Good shot from Henry Nichols. But in the air, smashes yeah. a straight drive back. The ball is going for four. It's about a second and a half from going over the boundary. Mitchell sees it come back to him and he sort of fl- fl- flicks his arm backwards to get out the way. So he could sort of, you know, like a, uh, like someone, you know, trying to miss a bull bull coming at them a little bit. Yeah. Um, and instead it sort of goes off the face of his bat. Like he's doing slips practice. It goes, I th- I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this. It goes between the umpire and the non-striker. The umpire, who was at that end? Was it, was it Kettlebrough? No, it was. Um, I think it was. Yeah, it was Kettlebrook. Yeah, yeah Kettlebrook. I don't think it was Murray. No, it definitely wasn't Murray because he wasn't moving. Um, and Kettlebrook ducks and gets out the way, think he's going to get hit. And Alex Lees, who's at mid mid on uh, mid off, sorry, is at mid off, should have been looking towards the boundary <laughs> where the ball was going, probably. But for whatever reason, he tracked the ball perfectly. And then the ball comes to him like he's at gully now. Like Mitchell is the right-handed batter and Lees is yeah. at gully and he middles it straight to him. And it's a nice sharp catch. It's not like an incredible catch, but considering everything that was going on, he could have easily dropped that and no one would have said that oh, that was a sitter because no one is expecting the ball to be middled from the non-striker's end. The whole thing was so bizarre um, and uh, it completely ruins all the figures about how Jack Leach never takes left-handers in the first innings of a match. Anodyne press conference moment of the day. I just looked to Lizzy and I mean, yeah, Lizzy wanted me to actually mention what a good catch it was. <laughs> what is going to happen tomorrow? Okay, Jared, what is going to happen on day two? Well, it's how do England get past? Uh, I, I kind of think that Anderson is the best chance of getting Mitchell and Blundell, and he's not in this test. So the second new ball is coming, right? So, in, uh, you know, uh, I think Potts has bowled some really good spells. I actually think Potts' last two spells probably been his best two spells for England, despite what happened at Lords. Um, but if if Potts and Broad don't get a wicket, don't think Blundell and Mitchell are going to worry too much about Overton. It looks like they're not going to bowl Stokes. So a lot of pressure is on that new ball. Now, there's always pressure on a second new ball, especially if you're only, five, you know, what is it, four or five wickets down. Um, but in this particular case, I just think that with Bracewell to come, 
if they don't get a wicket in that first 10 to 15 overs, uh, I really worry about where England can go from there unless Stokes or Overton pulls one out of the bag or I don't know, uh, Jack Leach has someone come down the wicket and they smash the ball um, into their own foot and it runs back onto their stumps and bowls them. What's a, what's a pass score though? I have no idea. This wicket's weird. Have we talked about the yeah. fact that it looks like a barcode? I honestly mm. thought for a minute, oh my God, I've missed it. They're doing their first ever synthetic pitch and no one told me. Um, I Googled Headingly synthetic wicket just in case that they had one of the first hybrid wickets. Um, it looks so weird, this pitch. So I, I have no idea. Also, like Jack Lynch has just bowled 30 overs. Yeah. So that makes me understand the pitch even less. And he was on in the, what, the 12th, 13th over? Um, I, I could not tell you what a pass score is. What I would say is, Considering how much we know about these two teams, anything over 350 and New Zealand are, are doing okay. I don't think it's particularly easy. I, I felt like it was a pitch that you could score runs on, but also help the spinners a little bit um, and also help the seamers a little bit. Well, we'll find out t- tomorrow. Myself and Jared will be back following day two at Headingley. Thanks for listening to Following On. The Men's Room, a talk sport podcast in partnership with Toolstation. From masculinity to mental health, friendship to fatherhood. Join Tom Skinner and Neil Razor Ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man. Listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal. The Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store or via the app. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.